It's football and other F-words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F-WordsPod. He's Mike Herndon. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL. What a day. Football and other F-words. It's, it's never dull on a Wednesday, apparently. Apparently, that's when uh, everybody's going to get called out on Twitter. and call. And maybe not everybody, but apparently this is D-Day for a lot of people. We'll get to that later because we're going to do this week at Titans Twitter. Um, we are brought to you by, because I don't want to forget, like I did last week, Bluegrass Beverages. Hold on. There you go. There Bluegrass you go. Beverages. As I am drinking a Yazoo uh, Hell's Lager, uh, the little afternoon beer. It's one o'clock. I feel like that's still acceptable for one beer. I don't have sure. anything to do for the rest of the day. But Bluegrass Beverages saved me yesterday, Mike. Because um, Expedia, Delta, and my banks kept me on the phone from 8 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. trying to track down a refund that Expedia slash Delta owed me. And it turns out that they, because these were, I used flight vouchers and I used a credit card to buy uh, our latest plane tickets that we were going to go to Seattle. And then Delta decided, hey, we're gonna make we're gonna change all four of your flights. <laughs> oh my so god! The the because there's one stop, you know, departing and arriving. We're gonna change all four so you get you can get a free refund. Okay, that makes sense. I'll take the free refund. We'll reschedule the because the times were just awful. Yeah. Okay, they because I used a flight voucher and that flight voucher was for someone's wedding during COVID that got canceled, not mine, but someone else's in Denver. <laughs> Because they refunded to the original payment, the original payment to the credit, the debit card in 2020 that I used. It took, oh my god! It took from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. to figure that out. That they, uh, they tell me it got refunded, but it, I don't have that card anymore. So that's been a whole fiasco. And the reason I bring it up is because Bluegrass Beverages saved me because I had liquor for Bluegrass Beverages. And man, did I need it yesterday at 2.30 p.m. It sounds like it. I mean, that that is horrific. Um, de- dealing with any situation like that is just miserable, but the airlines always seem to take it to a, a really special level. Uh, I mean, I, I still got, like, I got to wait six days to see if they're actually going to resolve it like they said they will. So we'll see about that. But, like, that took up my whole day because you can't leave, right? Like, you have to be on the phone. You have to get this done. And then I had two chats pulled up. I had I contacted Delta and Expedia at the same time. But uh, because I knew they were going to tell me, well, you got to talk to Expedia. Well, you got to talk to Delta. It was a horrendous day. And um, on top of that, I had like real estate clients I needed to deal with and all this stuff. So like it was just a, yesterday needed that liquor. But today, I don't need that liquor. I'm in a great mood today, regardless of what else is happening on Titans Twitter. But football's back, sort of, baby. And it's OTA time. And what is your story today? Did your story come out? Did I miss it? Yeah, it, it hasn't come out yet. I was I was late getting it submitted this week because uh, yeah, just chaos uh, within both my work and uh, <laughs> and with Dominic. So uh, I'll say this: D good is, it is coming. Go ahead. I was gonna say it has been submitted um to pk so it should be up shortly I, i'm sure he's got to read through it and d good asked, has mike been a debbie downer yet today and yes he has he he likened the hype around ty j spears to that of dexter mccluster so that tells you where mike is what? At. no is i did not said. i did not i what did what did i say i i responded to uh 
I think it was Austin who said yeah. something about like, I'm not taking, I'm not getting carried away with any third down back hype um, because I've been burned before. And I said, what, what do you mean? Did Dexter McCluster not uh, revolutionize the Titans offense? I was making a Dexter McCluster joke. Right. Nothing to do that, with Tajay. Oh, no, that's a Tajay Spears cut no. down. No, don't expect anything I like, from Tajay like, Spears. He I is like just Spears. Dexter McCluster. No, that is um, that is such a huge leap from what I said. Um, But anyway, what's your, what's your article about today? It is about, uh, and we mentioned it on the podcast a few weeks ago, and then I, the Earhart Perkins uh language of offense and when i mentioned it on the show i think it was two weeks ago whenever Tannehill no, had I think his it was presser. Last week, right no it, it was been, last week it, because we didn't get to talk no. about the presser when it initially came out so we had to do the presser the presser pod a week later i thought it was two weeks ago because it was when Tannehill. it was like may 3rd when Tannehill actually and we had to do talked. a week later from okay, that maybe 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 so then well it was it was on the pod um that we talked about it but when when we talked about it then i was like Maybe that they're going to move. Um, now I'm 100% sure. Yeah, they even mentioned what, that yesterday. What Chig Conquo said yesterday was was basically, you know, saying... He's a blabbermouth. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to be able to call plays with one word, like one word concepts. And I'm like, oh, so Earhart Perkins. Yeah. Because um, that's exactly what that is. So I wrote about what that is, what that means, um, what the differences are, and some of the potential advantages that it can provide for the Titans offense. So I, I actually think it's a really interesting piece because it's... Uh, something that probably most football fans, or at least casual football fans, are not closely tracking. Um, Heck, I'm, I'm not even a casual, and I had no clue when you said Earnhardt Perkins. I was like, well, that's a deep cut. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there was a guy, um, oh, shit. I should know his Twitter name off the top of my uh, handle, or the my mind, because we interact all the time. Um shit i can't remember uh but he he sent you an article or sent us an article that we tagged in i think from baltimore beatdown if i'm not mistaken yeah 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 so uh, there, yeah there was a lot of good info in that uh chris brown has a really good grantland piece um uh, about it from the it's just five thousand words if it's on grantland that's a it's a minimum five thousand word article Exactly. I, so I loved it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I wrote about kind of, I, I took, I, I borrowed some of the information from a couple of those articles and, and kind of explained uh, what, what this is, what it means for the Titans offense and, and what they're going to be able to do with it, what the differences, what the real differences could be. Um, because it does sound like, it does sound like it's going to be a big offensive change. Um, it does. And it's worth well, noting, like, I mean, Tim Kelly is, is an Earhart Perkins guy going back to Bill O'Brien via Bill Belichick. Vrabel is an Earhart Perkins guy, obviously played with, with Belichick, but then also coached under O'Brien. Uh, Urban Meyer is an Earhart Perkins guy. Um, uh, Ryan Day, who Vrabel initially tried to hire, is an Earhart Perkins guy. So I kind of think this might have been the language he wanted to use all along, and he ended up kind of getting stuck with Matt LaFleur, and then it worked in 2019 and 2020 and so they just kind of stuck with it and kept writing it and now i think they're almost going back to what maybe Vrabel wanted all along offensively okay well let's let's uh i want to come back to that because i got questions i want to come back to involving Earhart perkins and tim kelly's uh comments to pk about no negativity no negative nancy's allowed in this media yeah, yeah. right good luck with that yeah. um let me write that down real quick so i remember to come back to that because it wasn't on my list all right Kevin Byard's not there. Yeah. 
where are you i mean like we've been pretty big proponents of well okay so he's normally at what veteran mini camp or whatever is called veteran op voluntary workouts or whatever he's normally there he's not there this year nobody's really talking about it except for us and we said that you know okay well let's see if he's around at otas maybe that's when it's time to panic and then i saw yesterday well i'm not i'm not trying to promote and incite riots and panicking or anything like that and i saw yesterday he's not there they've said he's not there they talked about him and Positive, positive ego stroking remarks. And that's important because I want, I'll get to something here in a minute that that ties into. That's not a diss at Kevin Byard. That's just, they're obviously saying glowing remarks for a reason. And he didn't show up for OTAs, even though he was in, he's obviously in the area. He lives here, but he's also at a uh, golf uh, charity event or whatever Mike Vrabel was doing there at the same time. Didn't show up at OTAs, and now you're like, well, if he doesn't show up at training camp, and I'm thinking, or whatever's in June, and, and I'm like, well, we just keep pushing off the inevitable talking point. But this is pretty big. This is a defense that needs leadership. It has a lot, a couple of new pieces. It has some relatively young pieces, and he's not there. What, where, where, I mean, like, we, we keep pushing it off. So why do we keep giving him the benefit of the doubt, pushing it off, that this thing's going to get resolved? To his liking. Yeah, I don't know that it's going to get resolved to his liking. I, I think he, he gets the benefit of the doubt personally because he's, you know, all that he's done here and, and how talented he is and reliable and the leader he is and all the all the good stuff that Kevin Byard is. He gets the pass personally from the fan base because, you know, there no, just nobody's he, he doesn't crap throw on interceptions, he just gets interceptions. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Nobody's going to crap on Byard for anything. So, um, and right, rightfully so. Like he's earned that, right? So Man, we're um, not really crapping on him. No, uh, you no, know no. what we're what we're saying here is is that like it, this it is, is this is concerning. It is. It is in that it it speaks to there is a difference of opinion between him and the team as far as what his value is. Uh, you know, and he apparently either wants a contract extension or something positive to be done to his contract, and Rand Carthon wanted to do something negative to his contract. Uh, according yeah, to Rand Carthon, to me that so. his team must be angling for an extension or a trade or a trade, yeah, or cut. Even though they haven't explicitly asked for a cut, I just can't imagine the, the Titans actually the, cutting them. But the, yeah, I'm with you. The team's not going to do that. I mean, yeah. but doesn't mean that he's not going to do a little like a lot of players across the league have done a little strong arming to get what he wants. Yeah. Which, and, which and you should, for the most part, most players are in a position to do that. And I think it's it's one of those things too, where like I feel like he would be here if there was not a contract issue, right? Like I, I feel like this is one hundred percent about the contract issue because look, it has to be. Derrick Henry's here, Ryan Tannehill's here, uh, Jeffrey Simmons is here, all the other big stars besides basically, you know, Bayard. What it was Bayard or Autry and Fulton are the three, which we know where here. Fulton is at. Yeah. We know what he is doing, even though I do think it's a little ridiculous that he hasn't scheduled whatever he's doing, which is just yoga and Pilates and Pure Bar, which there's a couple of heart works up here do. that you go do that here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like Nashville does not have a Pilates studio. Um, 
the uh, but yeah, Bayard, you know, it is worth saying that like, look, there's a new defensive backs coach, like in a new, and he is the defensive pass game coordinator. So he's going to have some say in the types of coverages and how they call things and things like that. So I think it would be advantageous for him to be here for sure. Um, and I, I just, I don't feel like, I know Vrabel said that he's missed some stuff before and maybe he has missed a, but a it's practice been like, or two, but it's been yeah, limited. I mean, like, it hasn't been, he's skipping all of OTAs. Well, whatever. last year when everybody was shitting on Tannehill for not showing up at the voluntary workouts that Tannehill showed up to this year that Bayer didn't at all. Yeah. He was there. For, and the re, the reason why I remember this, because he was there for a couple of days and then he left. Like he wasn't there mm-hmm. for the rest of the time. So that's what Vrabel's saying. He shows up and then he leaves. It it just it gets to this thing where I kind of want to talk about tying this into because I wanted I think I feel like even Vrabel has made Christian Fulton's issue a different issue and puts it in its own category. For sure. Where collaboration is the big word. We know that Rand Carthon, this is kind of a question I'm probably gonna butcher or a topic that I'm gonna butcher, but I am totally stealing the question from Joe Rexrode this morning to bring it to you, and I'm going to butcher it, definitely. But he but he asked at the 8 a.m. segment, and I think he asked it before then, but I missed it, but I know he specifically asked PK in the 8 a.m. segment. And for once, J- PK gave Joe a compliment for this question, so this is a really good question. Where At what point are players starting to view Vrabel less as a coach and more as a manager? So we know that Rand Carthen obviously handles negotiations, obviously handles the general manager tasks. But we also kind of know that while it is a spirit of collaboration, that Mike Vrabel is kind of like, do this, do that, get me this, I need this, do that. But what's his? what do you think is his involvement in this? And what do you think, players are starting to view Vrabel as. I don't think they're going to lose any respect for him, but do you think they kind of view him as a guy that is teetering in both worlds now? I would imagine they would, because that's kind of how I view Vrabel at this point, and that he does have some say over personnel, um, whether that's, you know, they're never going to make it clear as far as like he has control of the 53 or, or anything like that, but he clearly has some say, and what he says carries some weight with Ryan Carthon. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a very valid question and an interesting angle. And, and does that affect his relationships with the players, which he's always had good relationships with his, his player, most of them. I mean, there, there are clearly some that he just does not get along with the Dory Jackson, uh, being one, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that uh, seem to chafe against Rabel for whatever reason. Well, Corey, uh, I don't know if really Corey Davis did, but it seems like he did. Uh, it, it seems like Vrabel mentions or talks about a particular type of player. And then you can kind of pick out that that type of player rubs him the wrong way, but you don't yeah. know if it's really vice versa. What are you? Well, like Fulton. I mean, Christian Fulton, he has called him out multiple times right now. I guess he's not the, there. The injury things. And, and that's, that's the thing, you know, that out of all the absence, I mean, like Domenico Autry is like a hundred years old and like, didn't go to, yeah, he didn't show last up last year. year. Right. Yeah. So, like, he was like, he goes, I'm just a fucking old man. I don't feel like I have old. to do it. Yeah, he's old. He's going to show up and be in good enough shape and and he's going to be able to manage his way through and, you know, whatever whatever he needs to do to get ready, I don't care. Um and and besides defensive line, 
there is some coordination with defensive line, especially the way the Titans rush as far as running games and twists and things like that. But Bayard is the quarterback of the defense, right? Like it is important that his communication is on point. So that that is one of those things where like his impact and Fulton too. Fulton, you know, while he's less involved in uh, uh, actual, I guess coordination of the defense his communication and coverage you know uh ability to communicate coverage and understand what is being communicated to him in coverage is important more so i think than autry right so i don't know fulton's the one that bothers me the most at all these because Bayard knows the defense there's not a big change on defense like there is on offense um I think he's going to come in and be just fine uh and he's always in shape like you just don't have to worry about Bayard. But uh, I think he's it does have to signal, worry about Bayard coming for his contract. I, yeah, I think there's a contract issue there that is real. And then I think, you know, uh, Fulton is the one that I really have a problem with because, look, it's contract year, buddy. Like, you have not shown enough to get an extension right now. So I don't know if he's like, if he's saying he wants an extension or something behind the scenes that, you know, that's what they're upset about. But of course, they're not going to extend him right now. Like he's been hurt every season he's been here, basically. So um, he needs to come play 17 games and play 17 games well. And then he can get an extension or go get, you know, a bunch of money somewhere else. But I just don't know if is he putting himself in the best position to to do that by not being here, not not having that time spent with his new position coach, because he does have a new position coach in Chris Harris. Um, New, like, new new guy across the way and Sean Murphy Bunting that you yeah. have to have communication, uh, build up communication and chemistry with. Yeah, and and who may be playing inside and next to him at times. Um, you know, and McCreary, if McCreary's playing in the nickel, like I, there seems to be a lot of hints that maybe McCreary is is kind of build for that nickel spot. Um, you know, getting getting reps with next to McCreary, next to McCreary, next to Aziz Alshire, who's going to be you know, doing some coverage stuff at linebacker. There, there's certainly enough new pieces around Christian Fulton that it would be valuable to him to be here, I think. Um, and I, I just think it's a missed opportunity. I, I think it's a, like, if I was Christian Fulton's agent, I'd be like, what the yeah. fuck, man? Like, no, you, you got to go because this stuff that they're doing is important, but you're pretty much it perceives that you're running away from the grind and you're pouting down in Miami. You know, we don't know if these people were on the premise, these other people missing, and maybe they were inside working out. But I'm a little curious as why Trevon Wesco wasn't there. And I'm a little curious as to why Monty Rice wasn't there. Well, uh, Monty Rice isn't injured, right? According to PK... Uh, Rice, uh, yeah, Farley, Rice, Landry, Radens, Wesco, and Sam Okununo, however, I just call him Sam Okay, Sam Okay. Um, those guys were in, were inside dealing with varying degrees of injury, so they are oh, fantastic. Monty Rice is dealing with injuries, I mean, constant, constant, yeah, my god, yeah. Oh man! Which what I mean, hey, after? you drafted a guy who lost his job in part because he got hurt his final year at Georgia, and hey, he's been hurt pretty much every season since. So yeah, there you go, there you go, John uh, Robinson. Yeah, I'm so sick of Monty Rice. I was sick of the pick when it happened. 
and I'm sick of it now. And all this dude, he's got like he's got one of those Twitter fingers on. He's one of those players that name searches every th- every day, every minute. Like you can't mention Monty Rice. I be, he may show up in my room because I've said his name three times. Um, but like he may show he's up knocking on the window, like hey, hey, what's going on over in there? You don't say my name. Uh, but like, my God, get the fucking practice. Unbelievable. And 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 I, I don't find Monty Rice to be that talented. Um, I mean, he's okay for a third round pick when he's, he's on fine. the field, but he's he's he was, just a he guy. Was, he was decent last year. No, yeah, nothing special, yeah. like but decent. And so you can rotate like the five white guys that I guess that he they, they have at linebacker. It's like Aziz Al Shayer and like you know. 15 of the same guys that go to frat parties. You got Luke Chance, Gifford, Luke, and, uh, Luke or Chase, Ben, Chance, and, yeah, Chance, and Jack. <laughs> yeah, Chance, Luke, and Jack. They could just all swap in swap in there uh, after they do win a flip cup tournament. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's just it's ridiculous. I'm so sick of it. Um, sick of Monty Rice and all that stuff. And I don't know. They're going to they're gonna have to do something with that room if Monty Rice can't get healthy and that I'm afraid they're going to prioritize that room over the wide receiver room, which Tim Kelly has some interesting comments yesterday. Um, and then of course, everybody was up in arms that Chris Moore chose number 11. He's like, yeah, I knew after I said it, I immediately regret it. Um, <laughs> and, I, and he knew Titans Twitter would come after him, which says, a, says a lot about Titans Twitter, right? Like, the players know that you guys are losers and care about the uh, jersey numbers way too much. Um, well, he only so, had like three choices to yeah. to choose between among among the numbers. I think he could have picked from like uh, five and one and eleven. Well, I like thought I were... thought there was like uh, didn't they open up the jersey numbers? I guess I'm not up to date. And when I thought they opened up the jersey numbers, I thought they opened up the jersey numbers. So am I, am uh, I correct on that? They opened it up some, so like okay. I, I think different. There's other, some of the positions. How many eighties are gone off this team? I mean, he could have chosen eighty, I guess. Yeah, I think all the eighties are taken. I want to say, yeah, they are. They're all gone, or they're all uh, claimed. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous anyway. But I mean, like I watched the good parts of the film or whatever he said, and you know that's yeah. what I got to hope to get out of it. And then Easton and PK had like the most mind numbing argument on Twitter about this whole thing. And I guess what I want to do is bring some intelligence into the conversation because that's what we do at Football and Other Words. We rise above and bring intelligence whenever we can. And I want, and I wasn't going to bring this up anyway, but because of your Earnhardt Perkins stance and the article coming out, well, the wide receiver's role in Earnhardt Perkins, mm-hmm. it's obviously a variation of pro style spread if i'm not mistaken correct because that's what bill bryant's kind of known for and that's what ron day and urban meyer kind of known for it's like a it's it's not college spread it's like a pro style spin on it yeah it's it's yeah what i would consider like a power spread kind of power spread but but i i will say this that's like one version of it because there there is um Really, you can do a whole lot with it, and it mostly the the distinctions come down to language more so than anything as between the, the various offenses and and Erhard Perkins. You can certainly run different styles of it, um, and there are different styles of it all over the league. But I would say the most common version is 
what I would consider like a power spread. So in, in that, in that kind of offense, obviously it's, it's very quick. It's very violent, but they, it's violently quick, which means that the explosive first step. Do you have to have multiple wide receiver ones? Because that's what I kind of feel like everybody's wanting. And and I'm not saying I am happy with this wide receiver core. Obviously, nobody should be feeling good about this wide receiver core. But as far as the offense functioning at a higher level than it did last year and the year before, and I know the year before in 2021, the Tennessee Titans had A.J. Brown and Julio Jones for like three games together or whatever it was. It's some like ridiculously low number. But that was another cataclysmic year for injuries. Can this offensive line in this wide receiver group that everybody's so down on be better and more productive than the last two years of Todd Downing this year because of the Earnhardt Perkins offense? Um, I, I think the change of the change in the offense to me is going to reveal itself more in what they're able to do from like a tempo standpoint. Um, like I think they're going to be able to, to go faster. Um, I think they're going to be able to do more out of no huddle. Ryan Tannehill is going to have more flexibility at the line of scrimmage. I think that kind of thing is, is going to be the bigger impact of the, the, I guess the terminology change. But as far as the style of offense, I mean, if you look back at what Tim Kelly did with Houston, Deshaun Watson had his best season as a pro with Brandon Cooks. I think it was like 11 games of Will Fuller. And then like the next best receiver was Randall Cobb. Uh, So I don't know that like, I mean, did the Titans have a Brandon Cooks? Not really like. Traylon Burks is a very different type of receiver, but you would hope that Traylon Burks falls into that wide receiver one role that Cooks effectively was for him uh, in 2020, I think it was. Yeah. Um, but it's not like you have to have and Look, the, and this is totally different because it's Brady and, and everything like that. But Brady famously took a bunch of dudes that were like, you know, average talent-wise receivers and turn them into superstars because they were able to run this offense super effectively. Um, I think, obviously, having more talent at receiver would be better. Um, do I think it's possible that Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips and Chris Moore and Nick Westbrook-Akine can cobble together, combined with, like, Chick Conquo, who I think is going to have a really big role well, I mean, Chicks, Ty J Spears, Josh Weil, and then you got Derrick Henry catching balls out of the backfield, too. I mean, like, all those guys are going to be involved in this passing offense in some way or another. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys in the offense that could be exciting. I mean, we'll see. It, it's, this, this is one of the crazy things about the Titans. If you look at all of their pass catchers, only Nick Westbrook-Akine has been here for more than one year. Like, out of all the pass catchers, really, that are going to be on this team and in a, a significant role in the offense, they're basically all brand new. Um, so that's another reason why I think this terminology change is coming. I mean, this is the time to do it because it's mm-hmm. not I – mean, Tannehill and Henry are the only two guys on offense with more than one year of starting experience in this this system. So um, it is uh, it is quite the time to, to make the change. but. Yeah, I think Burks, Phillips, Chig, they all have to take huge steps forward. 
Um, but it's possible that they could find success in this offense. It, it, it's it's all going to be come down to like how does this all function together? Um, how quickly can they learn it? Because the other thing about learning this offense is it's all concept based. Whereas I mean, like the way that they learn is going to be very different than how they learned the Shanahan like West Coast style uh, terminology that they've had the last couple years. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that translates because ultimately. I think what the Titans are hoping for, and, and I, you know, Rabel talked about getting faster and all that stuff, and, and we know part of that is tempo, but I also think part of it is, you know, what's one of Rabel's favorite pet phrases? Know what to do, play fast and aggressive, right? Like that's one of, how many times have we heard him say that? Um, well, the knowing what to do part feeds the second and third part of that because you don't play fast and aggressive when you don't know what to do. And I think that's maybe part of what, simplifying the language of this offense is intended to do is to make it easier for guys to go out there and play and to, to not have all these all this terminology all this verbiage rattling around in their brain when they're at the line of scrimmage am i am i remembering this play right am i going to run the right route or or you know you know, we talked about last year tons of miscommunication issues there was a between lot, yeah. what it seemed like between the quarterback and the wide receiver and you know, was the quarterback thrown to the right spot? Was the wide receiver running to the right spot? It just seemed like for the last two years under Todd Downing, which we have seen that it can be a coach issue in a system that even though it's a familiar system, that if it's not being taught right and not being communicated from coach to player and then from player out in the field, that it can cause these issues. And because we saw it with the defense when they didn't have a defensive coordinator for the longest time. So it's almost like to me that not only are you shortening it is a benefit to everybody, but kind of the way that Tim Kelly teaches and the way that everybody seems to be gravitating towards wanting to learn and being very excited about this offense is a big boon for this Titans team. And I'm not saying that we're going to see 2019, 2020, you know, offense or anything but it's kind of like how i view the offensive line if this offense is just like a little bit better than last year this team can win games and make a certain amount of noise so like to me that's just kind of where i'm at it's like yeah the the wide receivers suck but you the the problem is that everybody wants like three wide receiver ones and hey I'm with you. I would love to have that, but that's just not realistic. The, the what you got to hope for is that Chig, Kyle Phillips, you know, I'm not gonna really say NWI, but maybe like NWI or Chris Moore give you seven or eight hundred yards. Like someone on this team besides Traylon Burks, Traylon Burks needs to go for like twelve hundred. Someone else on this team needs to go for seven or eight hundred to complement Traylon Burks. And then you have Derrick Henry in the backfield, and then you have Ty J. Spears catching passes out of the backfield and doing whatever he can do. You got Josh Wiley there. Like, it's all about, I feel like this year, this offense has been shifting towards this. Everybody's going to have to contribute at different times because we're going to keep the defense on their toes and we're going to make them think. We may be going to Traylon Burks, but Colton Dow, you better be in the right spot because Traylon Burks is seeing this defensive look. That ball's coming to you in like three seconds. Maybe well, I guess like two seconds, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like 
So and and for this kind of offense that they're building, it doesn't seem like it seems like wide receiver two is a luxury, or another wide receiver one is a luxury more than a real necessity. I guess is the it's not the my favorite way to phrase it, but it just feels like they Chig and Kyle Phillips are supposed to fill a massive void that Traylon Bur- help him fill that void. Yeah, I think I think ultimately it comes down to like. You've got to look at it as pass catchers, right? Not necessarily right. wide receivers because the Chiefs' number one wide receiver is Travis Kelsey, right? Like, re- realistically. Um, and I'm not saying Chig is anywhere close to Travis Kelsey right now, but I-, I think he is going to be your probably either second or third leading target getter in this offense. I think it's going to be Burks. I think it's going to be Chig. And I think it's uh, it's probably going to be Phillips, honestly. I, I think Phillips. Well, I told he was wide a- receiver four, Mike. So, no, I mean, I, I think Phillips. he's. I think he's the most likely to emerge out of the Chris Moore NWI, um, you know, kind of grouping into a guy. Don't forget Racy McMathy's fast. He's been running. Racy, Racy running. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think, I think he's the most likely to emerge as like the, the third pass catcher in that, that top group. So I I think that's how you have to look at it. And look, my, my biggest issue with this team and we've harped on it the last few weeks is all it's it, all of we're, all of what we're doing is projecting like all these guys have to take big step forwards and, and it's possible that like they all do but we'll see like that that's that's kind of where i land on i like, feel like the terminology situation helps increase those chances i should say like if this was Ty downing when they're running maybe the offense from last year again and it's tied downing again, like, yeah, I'd probably be like, at least, at least we have that kind of idea of the unknown in front of us. Yeah. Um, definitely. Like, I, I do think there's, there is the element of unknown with the, the offensive terminology and the scheme change and everything like that. And, and look, it, it is a totally different way to like even conceptualize, um, the way that they play because it, rather than like everything is in concept. So like one word describes like the outside receiver running a vertical, the inside receiver running a, an out, you know, that is one word and that is a concept that they will drill. And, and Tannehill can easily switch a concept by just looking to one side and yelling one word, which tells them what, what their new assignment is. So like, there's a lot more flexibility. I think it's, it's a system that's designed from the quarterback's perspective too. Um, and, and the idea is try, try to make things as easy as possible on the quarterback. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how it's picked up. Interesting to see how it's implemented. Um, yeah, it, it could make a big difference. It really could. Uh, and I think that's the biggest X factor in this whole thing is what happens with Tim Kelly. Is Tim Kelly an awesome play caller and an awesome, you know, offensive coordinator? Are they going to have, you know, some really neat concepts? Cause it's not like these guys don't have talent. Like you, if you can find creative ways to get the ball into Chig's hands into Burks's hands, guys that are good after the catch, even Phillips can do a little after the catch. Um, they have some talent out there. It's, it's just going to be, how do you make use of that talent? Is offensive line good enough to allow you to make use of that talent, all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm super excited to see how it all plays out. It's, it's going to be an interesting season for sure on offense. Well, let's stay with the offense because I uh, talked to Braden this morning and uh, f- we'll have more information on what he observed at uh, OTA's 
you know, tomorrow on a football show at one, one o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. But he did find someone finally clarified because we saw that Andre Dillard in a pitcher was left tackle. Yeah. He saw a leg next to him, and I assume, like, with 95% certainty that it was Skaronsky. But we do know that we also saw Skaronsky at left tackle with the, what was perceived as the second team on day one of OTAs. Yeah. So you had brought up the question, well, who's running with the ones if he's running with the twos? And I said, well, I'm pretty sure he's probably running with both of them. But we have gotten confirmation from Braden. I don't know why nobody else touched on this. This is a pretty important subject, especially when you have uh, Lomas, Lomas and Tic uh, uh, Tac Titans Tyler. You know, they're, they're kind of like, well, they're just going to fuck around with it, you know, like they always do. And I was thinking, God, they can't be doing that. They have to be smarter than that, right? Like, new coach, this team cannot be doing that. Sure enough, I mean, I'm, I'm always right. Like, this offseason, I, I have yet to be wrong this offseason. It's pretty fucking <laughs> remarkable. Um, but the normal five, the five that we predicted it would be in the positions that they are in, practiced all damn day yesterday with the ones. There were no switching out. So it wasn't it wasn't like they were rotating Jamarco Jones in there at all yesterday or shifting maybe Andre Dillard and Peter Skaronsky from left tackle to left guard, respectively. It was Andre Dillard left tackle, Peter Skaronsky left guard, Aaron Brewer center, uh, Brunskill is right guard, and NPF is right tackle, and it looks to be continuing that today. Hallelujah! This team has figured out how to properly prepare an offensive line now whether they're good or not is 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 a different scenario but at least they're letting them gel and get to get to know each other on that line as players on the field yeah i think it's um i mean that's the five that we all expected it to be um and that's the five that it should be frankly so i'm glad that they're going to that immediately and hopefully hopefully getting those guys to gel um in there and look if you want to get Skaronsky some reps at left tackle uh with the twos or whatever I think that's great honestly because it's smart that's what we always thought they would do too because like you we've talked about offensive line depth if Andre Dillard goes down he's gonna be the left tackle backup yeah your tackles are awful um outside of your starting two maybe maybe (laughs) you know if Dillard and, and MPF are good um, then your other tackles are still just either MPF extremely really. Um, I, I only saw like from the top of his t- man tits up, yeah. but uh, he looked really skinny in the in the interviews yesterday. I haven't seen like a full video or something, but I just thought he looked like he lost. Uh, he got fit, I should say. Okay, all right, well, good. I, I'm I'm hoping for the MPF breakout here. You know, the, we we need it. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, until Raidens comes back, at least you are definitely looking at Skronsky as your probably your swing tackle back up and starting left guard. Because um, I think you'd rather shove like DeMar- Demarco Jones or Corey Levin or someone like that in at left guard and move Skronsky to tackle than try to put Jalen Duncan Duncan at left tackle or something like that. So um, yeah, I, I think that's good that they're approaching it that way if that's how they're doing it. Well, and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm going to have saved it for Braden. I'm going to ask Braden tomorrow. But 
where Jalen Duncan was, where Marco Jones was, you know, as far as their rotation and their position that they play. But it was just, it's just, I, to me, that was always been one of my bigger like beefs with this team under the Vrabel era is like they never had the offensive line settled. They always got too cute and played around with it. And maybe, just maybe, that was a Keith Carter thing. Yeah. Which means, by the way, that's a Mike Vrabel issue because Mike Vrabel gave him carte blanche to do whatever the fuck he wanted without oversight, which you shouldn't do. There's a difference between micromanaging and just taking your foot off the gas completely and not even paying, letting them, letting the uh, the the people go crazy with whatever job they have. Like I'm, I'm out, I'm out on that. Um, but I'm just happy. I, I mean, like out of this OTAs, this is probably like the happiest that I am. Uh, I do, I do, I do have one beef with this OTA, and it's this is a, now become a tired off-season trope for the Titans, but this is directly related to Jim Wyatt. Every year he says, well, I fully expect them to add a so-and-so player to so-and-so position group, and it's for the last few years has been wide receiver and tight ends like interchanging over from every year in the mailbag, and the Titans never do. So, dude, quit getting our hopes up, Jim Wyatt. I am sick of this off-season trip. I'm sick of him always saying, yeah, I expect them to add someone. And then, like, because I remember the, it was um, the year they were rolling with Anthony Ferguson, Jeff Swain, oh, and yeah. uh, Michael Pruitt. And you and Lebowski said, Jim Wyatt said, Jim Wyatt said, Jim Wyatt said. And I, I remember the room I was in was in our, it was in, I was still in the old house then. And I said, guys, this team is fully satisfied with this tight end group. And they were. And it was a disaster. But you could just tell that they were satisfied with it. I will say that he also did that during the Julio Jones offseason, and that one turned out. So Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But no, they'd already added Josh Reynolds. I think I feel like the wide receiver thing left at that after Josh no, Reynolds. No, no. Nobody was nobody was No, nobody was like, Oh, we're good at wide receiver because we got Josh Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, why not? He's he's pretty good. Everybody's wishing he was on this he team right now. He is pretty good. Um, okay, so we talked about Christian Fulton. Uh, we talked about Molden. the offense. Yeah, I Molden mean, like, safety. I mean, yeah, Molden's at safety. Like, is that surprised anybody? Because he's played safety on the field for the Titans before in certain game situations. And no, there's no Kevin Byard. So, wouldn't you use that opportunity with no Kevin Byard to give him reps with Amani Hooker? Has Molden played safety before? I didn't yeah. think he had. Uh, yeah, he's played, he's played, uh, in fact, I. Uh, believe uh tic tac titans actually put out a thread of molden a few clips of molden at safety okay well i don't follow that account so um (laughs) but i uh (laughs) yeah i mean molden has been um i think it is significant though because they get zero safety depth like none 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 like tyreek jones the udfa out of boise state was the guy that i kind of had penciled in as the number three safety on my 53 when i was going through it so Moving Molden, especially if they're going to use either Bunting or McCreary at, at slot corner, which is what I think they're going to do. I think moving Molden into that kind of third safety role where he can play, I mean, he could probably play, you know, 30 to 40% of snaps because they run a lot of, lot of sub packages with three safeties uh, traditionally here. So I think Molden being in that role makes a ton of sense, gives them some flexibility, gives them, I mean, 
someone asked me yesterday, like, is he the Bayard replacement? I, I do not jump to that yet. Like, that is possibly, like, maybe he is in the future. I don't know if he's a replacement as, like, a, uh, uh, you know, the back, the, you know, the, the fill-in. Like, when, uh, you know, someone on tour for a music band goes in sick, you know, they, they pull in some other band members, you know, guy to play the drums or whatever, you know, something like that. Like I can see his, I can see his long-term position being safety. Yeah. I just, I just don't know that like that they're putting him there because they're getting rid of Bayard, right? Like, yeah, I'm not I don't, I don't think connecting it's those that. dots. I think it's the fact hey, that listen. they don't have a third safety currently and they need one. We'll, we'll talk about Titans Twitter real quick, but this is before we get too far from Kevin Byard and safeties and stuff like that and getting rid of him. Uh, some guy said trade Kevin Byard for a kicker and some picks. That was, that was oh yeah, I saw that. yeah. Use yeah. the money to to sign a kicker, God, <laughs> please. Well, apparently the kickers have only missed two kicks all off season or whatever, right? Yeah, like, well, uh, I'll PK's believe boy, it in the preseason. Okay, <laughs> like yeah, we hear this all the time about these kickers. Oh well, you know they only missed two this week, and then you know we're in July and they're like flinging them out into the crowd. Yeah, we'll see. I I I am anti signing a veteran kicker. I think it's a waste of money. Let one of these young kids win the win the job and try it and see what you got. I mean, what like like I mean, Brandon McManus, man, I I am with D Good here. Brandon McManus has came in clutch for me in fantasy football over the years. Like him and uh, uh Daniel Carlson from the uh, the Raiders, like my go to kickers. I could not believe yeah. they they let him hit the road. He was like um. Oh, like five for six from 50 to 59. And he had a couple of uh, 60 yarders last year. I don't get it. I thought that was I mean, weird. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying like McManus would be a bad idea. I just don't think they should spend any money on kicker. I, I just don't think they should. I, I think you need to get a young kicker that you can just set there and let them, let them kick for however long. You know, you really the NFLPA should figure out a way with the teams to make signing kickers tax deductible. Cause that's really charity, right? Like, I mean, they're not a real football player. So it's just, you know, it's for charity. You're just paying it someone is. for charity. Except for Justin Tucker. Yeah. Except for Justin Tucker. Uh, but you know, you know, get tax right off. And then there you go. That solves everybody's problems. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah. Uh, what about Malik Willis? Are we even surprised that he just has, he's just resigned to the fact that, He's just not going to be anything like I feel like he's accepted that. Like, I feel like his words have lend themselves to being that he's just like. Just happy to be here, just happy to be out in the sun, throwing ball with the boys. And um, if I get QB, I'm going to approach it the same I did every year. Sounds just like Marcus, by the way. Um, I was approaching like I did last year. Hopefully I get QB, too. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm not reading that much into Willis's statements. Like that's who he is personality wise. Like he's, he's just, I, I took it as him saying, I'm not going to change how I work. Like this is, I'm going to come in and try to get Yeah. If it doesn't work the first whatever. time I would never, I mean like, let me, I, instead of turning the power off, chain to the light, let me get electrocuted 15 fucking times before I go turn <laughs> the power off to the light. Like, come on, come on. This, I mean, this guys, this is I think, the same. I think he, this is why Marcus didn't pan out because he's like, well, well I just don't do anything I, right. I just really love, I just really love eating my spam and just coming in, not working on my footwork at all. I will say that I prefer the Levis aggressive type A personality type to the Willis Mariota. 
like whatever happens happens you know he makes his bed though God, super God, chill man, that man personality makes type as for for my quarterback right like yeah. I, I would prefer a levis uh <laughs> version but um i don't know like willis i'm open-minded to willis being better this year like i, I think he should be better hopefully he's been he'll be better i know he works hard I, I i think he puts in the work um and we'll see like we'll see how he looks the best thing that could possibly happen for the titans frankly is that willis kicks ass in preseason levis kicks ass in preseason and somebody's like hey uh you want to trade one of those guys for for like a, a you know good draft pick that would be the ideal situation is you you actually are able to move one of those guys, whoever you don't want to be the long-term starter. Um, and, and Or you end up with a kick-ass backup for two years on a rookie contract, you know, for the 2024 and 2025 seasons, whenever Levis is a starter or Willis is a starter even. I You know, who cares? Um, they need one of those guys to emerge as their starter, and it would be great if they both emerge at, to the point where, like, you either have a really good backup or you have a trade trade bait kind of guy that you could send off for a pick like that that would be great i'm rooting for willis to be awesome i, I hope he is i uh, don't have a ton of hope for it but we will see i don't feel like he has any hope for it i think he's, i, mean, I think the, it's just his personality same, yeah but i mean like the, the personality matters when you're a quarterback you you mean oh like, i agree like to me it it's just like when you have to know that everybody got rubbed the wrong way when he said last year well they're like next time all shucks <laughs> you know whatever yeah. he, he said i'm just blessed or whatever yeah. um like it's just the same more of the same and it's just like you know i guess for me it's like all the people that are so still defending him like he got thrown to the wolves last year um you know there is this thing you watch a guy play Right, so you watch him play, and he's terrible. Then you see a guy come off the streets, pick up the offense in five days. He goes out, and he plays, and he knows more about the playbook than this guy does. And this guy just doesn't seem like he has any fight in him. And it and it dates back to kind of like, it's kind of like everything we've seen and heard from him, just neon flashing lights is like, if this guy is a great backup, he's going to be a great backup. But that is like the ceiling. There is nothing that you can point to or cling to when talking about Malik Willis that says, that's the guy of the future. That guy can leave. Because the, there was people that thought that he could leave here and pop off over at another team. And I do not see that anywhere. Yeah, I don't either. Not based on what we saw last year. Now, I mean, look, if he if he develops and he shows up as a different player this year, and look, I mean, we just you're not going to know it from OTAs. You're really probably not even going to know it from training camp. Um, preseason will give you a little bit of a glimpse, but I mean, until he's actually in a real game and and you know doing real uh, quarterback play against a real defense, that you won't really know for sure how far ahead he is. And look, the Titans are hoping that that does not happen at any point, right? So um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, the Titans will tell you kind of how that all shakes out by how quickly they uh, elevate Levis up to quarterback two, which, you know, I, I would imagine we'll go into training camp. We might even go into preseason games with Willis over Levis, and then and then we'll see what, 
you know, when that switch happens or if it happens. But, um, yeah, I think his attitude is a problem for quarterback, at least the way I would think a Mike Vrabel team would want to be led. Like, you got to remember, like, Mike Vrabel's quarterback was Tom Brady. And there could not be a more distinct personality type to Malik Willis than Tom Brady. Like Levis is far more in the Brady mold of like a little bit of an asshole going to tell you how it is like very direct, um, not afraid to speak up and and kind of go for what he wants. Whereas I, I, I do very much see Willis as Mariota and, and, you know, very nice guy. Like, He's the, he's a great dude as far as like I feel like you know he'd be a great guy to hang out with. He seems super positive. He's like you know, it seems like a really great guy. I just I I just don't know that that personality type fits for an NFL locker room. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like he has that fight to him to to want to win this this quarterback battle. It's just that's all we have to go off of are his words, his actions, his demeanor. Just kind of seems like what it is. And you know, listen. If you don't love football, you don't love football. That That's perfectly okay. But you're not going to be successful if you don't love football, and you won't be on this Tennessee Titans team for much longer if you don't love football because that's what they've said they love. Yeah. Okay. Ellie, I think that's about it. But we have to talk about and I've just come across an, an horrendous that I'm, I'm not going to bring up, another horrendous thread that is is a little out of bounds. but. That has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about right now. Which is for seven days later, after crying in his car about PK, calling him dumber than Stillman, <laughs> which is so bad that, that you would be considered that, it goes into now, here's my thing with this Sal from Jersey. If he's, if he's a real person, I'm not convinced he could be AI. He could be a, a something sent to destroy this Titans fan base from like the future or something like, yeah, a robot. Cause there is no way this guy could be real. But at the end of the day, I don't understand why people continue to follow him, like him and side with him. Cause today, not seven days later, after making himself look like an asshole against PK, because he does, because he he's he's talking like fans in the, the you, you can only be good media if you are liked by fans, and you are liked and you like the team that you root for, which is just utterly fucking ridiculous. And if you were any kind of fan that has followed PK since back two thousand four, when he's writing for the entire AFC South, he has told you now for almost twenty years. At least I have seen it for almost 20 years that he is not a fan of this team and he he hates and thinks that people cannot be fans and be objective about covering this team, which I do not agree with, but whatever. That's beside the point. He has told you that. And he's been doing this for 20 years. Today, he goes, he he puts out this silly tweet and the way that he puts out tweets, he uses like 15 sets of ellipses and just like dot, 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 and like now he's a film guru because I remember last year, you know, I watched all the film of Malik Willis, not, not one flaw. One, all his flaws are bullshit. Yeah, okay, there. Good job there watching that film. And now he's trying to break down mechanics of Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, and Will Levis, which doesn't even show the full set of throws and motions required that go into mechanics. 
and he gets called out by quarterback coach Quincy Avery and continues to say that I just I just respectfully disagree. I mean, like, I think his speed is all this and that. I don't understand why this guy is 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 followed by anybody. I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, look, it, I, I get that he is a passionate fan. He gets behind, you know, whoever the player is. But, I mean, the, the speed at which he switched from Willis to Levis um, is, like, the next savior. Um, I mean, it, look, I mean, support your guys. Like, I'm all for that, whatever. But let's not act like we're objectively breaking things down also if we're going to do that. Like, you've got to kind of pick a lane there. Um, and going toe to toe with Quincy Avery about quarterback play, is just a bad idea for almost anybody short of like an NFL quarterbacks coach. Um, so I would say, yeah, I mean, you just gotta know, <laughs> you gotta know what your limitations are, man. Like, I, I mean, I have limitations. I'm, I don't know everything. And if someone comes at me who I know knows a lot more about the subject matter, I'm going to take whatever they say and say, okay. Maybe you're right then, you know, like there's no harm in doing that. Like you, you don't have to be so proud that you just double down on bad opinions uh, when they're pointed out by somebody who knows and, and coaches I, and is paid to coach by, you know, top prospects. You know, I, I guess my thing is like if stay, stay in your lane, I guess, like for, for me, there's a lot of accounts that are trying to do, and unsuccessfully do what you have done, uh, what I would say just Graver has done, Justin Mello. And and I'm not I'm not saying that people shouldn't try, right? Like you you should try, but at some point you have to recognize where your niche in the fan base among if you're gonna be a I like to call them fanalist. If you're gonna be a fanalist, um because that's why I consider myself. I consider myself fanalist. I I don't. I, I think some people consider me media, but I I, don't, I have a hard time viewing me like that. But yeah. I I think that the, if you're you have to find your lane and stick to it. And I think that you know, passionate fan is is a perfectly acceptable Twitter persona. But that needs to be your lane because let me tell you. I, arguing with Quincy Avery, arguing with PK, doing all this stuff may get your little um, saga. I call them sagas, you know, you know, MAGA, but Sal with an S, saga, <laughs> your saga guys, uh, fans, you know, it may get them all happy, but you kind of become a, a, among the, I wouldn't really call us respectable, but it's it's kind of just a joke. And like, I, I have a muted, I have quite a few people muted that probably don't even know I have them muted. So I only see <laughs> tweets when they get sent to me. Um, but like, I don't know. It's just it's something about Titans Twitter lately that I, like I said, I've been off of it for a while. It just gets kind of worse and worse. I mean, you got some people that are just coming in in your replies constantly and spewing some of the most inane shit in your replies. I'm just like, I don't even really want to post. At this point, I'm, I can only probably see like 15 people that follow me on Twitter because I've muted so many fucking people because I don't want to, I, I, you know, then you got the people that think that like, well, I got to use all these big words and, you know, do all these really long, you know, messages and replies and follow and all this stuff. Uh, you know, it's just, 
just one of those things. You, I think you di- think you've done it right because someone's asking, uh, why someone's asked why doesn't uh Mike follow Tic Tac Titans? And listen, you just kind of got fed up with an argument, and you were just like, "I'm done. This guy's done. this guy's it." I follow Tic Tac. I, I mean, like, you know, I, but I, I don't have anything against the guy. I, I just found that. Trying to have a discussion with him on Twitter is the most infuriating thing in the entire world because he will talk down to you and treat you like you don't know shit if you disagree with him. And I just can't stand people like that. Anytime someone disagrees with me, I may argue back and make try to make my point, but I'm never going to try to belittle somebody, especially somebody that like I know puts in the work, right? Like, you know, there's certain people that you know puts in the work and and watches film and like understands things like that. So if you can't be like talk to me respectfully um, about something, I'm just going to block you. And I don't mute. I don't mute at all. I, I just block. So if, if you can't be respectful or if you come in my mentions acting like an asshole, calling me names, shit like that, you're just going to get blocked because I got no patience for it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to interact with people that act like that. So bye, see you never. Like, don't give a fuck. So that's, that's kind of how I treat it. And it has honestly made my life very enjoyable on Twitter because if I if I don't want to see your shit, I'm not going to see it. So um, that's that's how I treat it. And there was someone the other day that said something, and I can't remember the account. And he's obviously one of those accounts that's a that's a startup trying to make a name for themselves. I think it's like Titans Takes or Titans Opinions. And listen, if I mentioned either of those, and it's not you guys, I'm sorry for for mentioning those. I know those are names of accounts out there, but. Uh, and he said something about Tim Kelly's gonna. He loves running. Tw- he's gonna be excited to run twenty two and blah blah blah. And he loves it. And I just pointed out he's he's ran like twenty two per twenty two personnel at like one percent. And this guy argued with me and all this stuff. And I just said, I said, dude, I said, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that he can't change or he may not want to change, but you're saying that he's already loved it and loves using it, and he hasn't. He goes, well, I meant this, and he called me, you know, he got pretty profane with it, not the usual fuck shit and all that kind of stuff. The, um, um, you know, the the usual venture into a, a line too far for me. Yeah. And uh, I could take a lot and do a lot and do all that stuff, so I just went ahead and blocked him. I'm like, yeah. I get to a certain point, there's going to be certain, probably a couple people that I'm going to be blocking, you know, as it, as it goes on, and I just, you know, I'm trying to clean up Titans Twitter. I'm trying to clean up my mental health as well as clean up my physical health because I'm going to start getting in shape a little bit, take a little bit better care of myself. And I think that I'm, those I'm things, uh, you, you're boxing. I'm doing, I'm yeah. going to do this hot works thing that's down the road from here okay. from our house and uh, do like you row or you bike or you do all these workouts in like a sauna. So you're just fucking sweating all the toxins. And I have a lot of toxins in my body. No, that, that, that may work. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know i i feel like though to get your stress level down you have to no i did not block the guy that called us fat and flabby american men because i mean like he was right um but uh, i had to i th- I feel like a cleaning up and it's kind of like a little psa for everybody i think it's good that we start ignoring some of these accounts and what I mean by that is, you know, not following, muting, blocking, that kind of stuff. And start cleaning up Titans Twitter, and but cleaning up for your mental health. Because 
there is nothing worse than opening up Twitter and seeing something that makes you mad right off from the get go when you wake up. So, uh, I'm just kind of like, um, I'm good. I'm good to go on that. I'm not going to, you know, I may call people out because they listen. If I'm going to speak on someone, if I can remember their handle, I'm going to remember their handle. And, and part of the, the show is a little bit of, you know, poke fun at Titans Twitter. But like, we, we, know, enjoy we enjoy it. We enjoy it. it. It's, it's fun. And look, you know, I'm, I'm, I've said it before. I said it again. I don't care if we root for the same team. We don't have to be friends. I don't have to hang out with you. And, um, you know, I always get the, you invite me on your podcast or come to our tailgate. We'll just hash it up. No, I just don't want to. <laughs> You're not going to say anything that's going to change my mind. And I'm probably going to say something that's going to get me punched. And like, look, I could take a punch, but, you know, I just really just don't want to get punched. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, don't blame me. Oh, man. Oh, this Titans Twitter. This Titans Twitter. And like, you know, I, I block people for their personal opinions, too. But again, I don't have to. Like, Freedom of speech, you can scream at it all you want. I just don't want to have to read about it. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to, I don't have to expose myself to your negativity anymore. Oh. Exactly. Evan, I, I do plan to do a pod without Ty, with Tyler, without Mike, but it will probably be like maybe a stack in the inbox thing. But I, I do try to plan on doing that. My schedule has gotten all out of whack this year. Uh, but I'm going to try to do that in the summer. Uh, Mike, that seems like a really weird way to end the the episode. It does, but we've ended we've ended it weirder. Before. We I'm have ended it that. weirder before. <laughs> Mike has an article coming out today. Hopefully, maybe maybe later this evening, talking yeah. about um the Earnhardt Perkins offense. It's going to yeah. be a great read, an informative read. Uh, even though he has no clue what the fuck he's talking about, according to other Titans Twitter accounts. Um, That's right. Over at stackingtheinbox.com, because my schedule's been so hectic, the schedule, in-depth schedule outlook is just dragging. I just cannot get it done. But today, out uh, on Wednesday with Trajan Watkins, he talks about Kevin Byard and what the worry factor is. Didn't have an article on Tuesday because of the whole Expedia thing. Monday, I showed you how i got to the titans to five and four uh heading into week 11 stoney got drunk off some wine last night some merlot if i'm not mis- mistaken and uh finished off a whole bottle of merlot but i'm assuming by himself and did um an undrafted free agent a film review of john ojukwu from the boise state tackle uh talked about him and then friday's got josh wiley so you know got a lot going on at stacking the inbox four dollars a month for me and trey stuff five dollars a month for uh stony stuff plus all of our stuff stackingtheinbox.com always got something going one question real quick from donnie d what mike what gave mike the idea that they're using that particular system never heard his reason so go ahead we we touched on it at the very beginning of the pod, and it'll it'll also be in my article on paulkarski.com. But the reason is that uh, basically what the the words that Ryan Tannehill used and that he said they were making huge changes to terminology and concepts, which concepts was was one of the kind of clue words from that. But then yesterday when Chig talked and mentioned you know one word uh, play calls and things like that, that is very much an Earhart. Perkins thing so that that is 100% what they're doing 
um, I'm convinced. So it's, uh, but yeah, you can, you can check it out in the article. It, it kind of explains what some of that stuff is um, and how language is used in both the West Coast offense, which the Titans are coming from, to their Hart Perkins offense, which is what they are uh, seemingly going to. So um, highly encourage you to go check that out. All right, that will do it for us. This has been Football and Other Efforts, sponsored by Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville. Go there or Sinkers if you're in East Nashville. And I, damn, I meant to put this at the beginning of the episode. If you're still hanging on with us, go join the in crowd and tune into a football show tomorrow, Thursday, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time for the announcement of the contest of what it is, what you have to do, and how you're going to win. And part of that has to be joining the in-crowd and being on their in-crowd membership list. It's free. Go do that. Sinkers Beverages, Bluegrass Beverages, do it as soon as you can. Do it at the sound as you hear this voice. Go do it. For Mike Herndon at Mike Herndon NFL, I'm Zach Lyons of football or at Efforts Pod on Twitter. Football and other efforts. And you have just been effed.